hands off to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Here's Hall. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Painter. The one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Cody Felger here with you, Derek Larger as well. Guys, we're going to do a unique video, a little bit of an interesting video. We've never done a video like this before, but we are going to look at all the positions on the Indianapolis Colts. Originally had this as a series, but decided to just condense it down into one video, maybe a little bit longer of a video. We'll see how in-depth we get with this, but essentially we're going to be talking about all the positions, kind of looking at which positions, which players on this Indianapolis Colts roster do we think are going to be potential Pro Bowl slash All-Pro selections. Now, we are going to talk about some guys who already have been there. We're going to talk about some guys we feel like could potentially get there this season and everything in between. So we're going to start with the quarterback position, work our way all the way back to the safety position, talk about the special teams a little bit, and kind of give our thoughts on, on each player that we feel like has a legitimate shot. So, Derek, we'll start with the quarterback. We'll start with the only, the only quarterback that's going to see significant time, ideally, that's Carson Wentz. And the question remains for Carson Wentz, a very polarizing figure here uh, for, you know, obviously Colts and Eagles fans alike here. The question is, will Carson Wentz potentially, and does he have the potential to be a Pro Bowl slash All-Pro player in 2021? Um, I definitely believe he has the potential to reach that kind of level. Do I believe that he will reach either one of them? No, because, you know, Carson Wentz is not a quote-unquote popular quarterback. You know, I mean, we know how the Pro Bowl voting is, and that's a lot of times is a uh, is a basically a popularity contest a lot of times, which really sucks. But, you know, even on a all-pro level, I mean – DeForest Buckner didn't even get one last year, did he? And or was that the Pro Bowl? That was Pro Bowl, yeah. Okay, I'm, I was gonna say, like, yeah, it, yeah. All pros a little bit more like they actually are legit. Like the Pro Bowl is so stupid. Like we know, yeah, we'll yeah. You and I have said multiple times how we think it's ridiculous to even have Pro Bowls anymore. It's a shame that we used to actually use that as an accolade to uh, tell whether or not a player was good or not. Uh, we don't do that anymore, obviously. But, um, yeah, so do I think he can reach an all-pro level? I believe he has the ability to do that. Do I think he will end up doing it, though? No, I don't believe so. Yeah, I mean, 2017, obviously, he would have been considered a first-team all-pro if he would have played in all the games, right, if he didn't get injured. I think he very well could have been the MVP. So, I think, you know, even though the Indianapolis market is not the biggest market, I do think it was a major storyline this offseason. So if Carson Wentz is one of the top quarterbacks, I could see that potentially happening. Now the question is, will that happen? Um, I don't think we're going to see the 2017 Carson Wentz because I think that was just an incredible year for Carson Wentz. I mean, an incredible year for a quarterback. So it's hard for me to just say, boom, yes, especially after 2020. We know where, where it was one of the worst quarterback seasons we've seen in a long time. It's hard for me to say, yes, he's immediately going to go back to 
a first or second team all pro. I could see, however, a, a guy that he's performing well and he's a Pro Bowl selection. I could very well see that for Carson Wentz. I think unless he proves us wrong, which he very well could, um, I just think, yeah, all pro probably not. But I do think Pro Bowl is very, very achievable, which is a, a step under, you know, an all pro. But it's still a really, really good season. So I kind of think I'm right in between there. Probably Pro Bowl is kind of where I'm thinking for Carson Wentz. Um, that's kind of his ceiling. Now, he very well could make his ceiling higher and he could come back and completely light the, light the league on fire. We just don't know right now. But uh, based off of what we've seen, I think that's kind of a fair assessment of Carson Wentz there. Mm-hmm. All righty, let's move on to the running back position. Now, this is a very intriguing position. Three guys that have really seen significant time in the league, significant run. Um, you know, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, who you drafted last year. You bring back Marlon Mack, who was an 1,000 yard rusher in 2019. Naheem Hines has consistently been one of your best receiving threats, even as a running back one of the best receiving running backs in the league. So I think the question remains, we'll start with Jonathan Taylor. Can Jonathan Taylor potentially be a first team, second team, all pro or a pro bowl type of player? Um, yeah, I believe that Jonathan Taylor uh, could end up making uh, the all pro list. I think that if he continues to add on to what he did last year, I think he could you know, end up being one of the, top six, seven rushers in the league that uh, in yardage and top five potentially in all-purpose yardage. So I think that he definitely has the t- potential to be an all-pro. Um, as far as Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines is concerned, I-, I don't believe that either one of them will get either of these accolades. Now, I, uh, I agree with you that you know Naheem Hines is one of the best uh, receiving running backs in the league. Uh, last year showed that. But ultimately, again, I just think when it comes to production and and likability, when it comes to the overall league, I just don't think that neither one of them are going to get the recognition that's required to get those. Yeah, I think for Marlon Mack, it may just be a lack of playing time also, um, mm-hmm. just because of how much Jonathan Taylor is going to see you know, the first team reps and stuff like that. I just don't know if he's going to get enough to, to be warranted that. And then for Naheem Hines, it typically feels like the guys who are receiving backs never get enough recognition or love by you know the national people or anything like that. And so receiving backs, I think are kind of viewed as a dime a dozen. There's they're they're not viewed as much as say, you know, the guys that are rushing for 1500 yards, even if they're putting up maybe similar from a yardage standpoint and rushing in receiving um, for whatever reason, it just feels different from a receiving back as opposed to a back like Jonathan Taylor, who's more of a strictly a, a running back himself who, who does mm-hmm. all of the, primarily his damage on the ground, which is very interesting that, that, uh, they don't have something for more of those receiving backs. That's another topic for another video. But, but yeah, I definitely think you're out of the money. Even though I think both those players are very good players, I just don't know with the, you know, with what I just mentioned, with the lack of playing time, and then you know the the kind of unrecognition of what Naheem Hines has done even last year that that's going to be in the conversation. But mm-hmm. here's an interesting group, the wide receiver group. Now, this is a very intriguing group because. T.Y. Hilton's been a all-pro before. He's been a Pro Bowl player before. Getting a little bit up there in age. The last couple of years hasn't cracked 1,000 yards. Um, he did that in 2018 with Andrew Luck, but since then hasn't done it. And, uh, you know, got brought back on a one-year deal. And you think potentially 
okay, now you, you get a quarterback that has those similar traits to Andrew Luck that can throw the deep ball very, very well. Maybe that's going to bode well for T.Y. Hilton. Then you got guys like Michael Pittman Jr., who you drafted last year, who you know had a pretty decent rookie season. I felt like he probably could have done some things better, but you know, overall a solid rookie campaign to build on. You bring back – you have Paris Campbell finally back, hopefully healthy for the first time in a season since being drafted. Then you have guys like Zach Paschal um, and just some of those other kind of back-end guys on the roster. We'll focus on those top four guys. Do you foresee any of these guys potentially sniffing a Pro Bowl All-Pro kind of selection? Um, I do actually see one of these guys potentially getting one of these accolades. I believe that Michael Pittman Jr. has the potential to be a Pro Bowl kind of wide receiver because he is – a very well-known rookie wide receiver. He's very well-known amongst the entire league. Honestly, I think a lot of people from a lot of different teams know who Michael Pittman is because I think a lot of fans fell in love with him uh, before last year even started within the draft process and everything. And I think that going into this year, he has the potential to you know, really shine and be able to put up those kinds of stats where I think that he might get some – notice amongst the national media no question uh ty hilton i don't see any of that happening no matter even if he has the production to match it don't ever really see him getting an all pro accolade there we already know that you know the amount of respect that ty hilton gets in the media he that people are already still calling him washed so there's no way that happens and you know we both love uh zach pascal you know i definitely think this was a guy that if you know, ever got the ball more often, he probably could be in that all pro selection. I just think ultimately his usage is what holds him back, even though, you know, he's consistently up there on our team with the most touchdowns that are scored in a season. And Paris Campbell, Paris Campbell's the oddball. You know, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that he could earn himself an all pro if indeed he puts up the numbers that we've been declaring him to get. Does he get those though? I'm not sure. It's just way too crazy for me to think that he gets anything there. And of course, I don't think he's getting a pro bowl at all either, because I I just don't see, I just don't see the popularity with him right now. I mean, everybody's already said uh, their piece about Paris Campbell outside of our podcast. So you know, MPJ, I look for him to probably represent the wide receiver class when it comes to these accolades. Mm-hmm. So what would a stat line look for for, for MPJ, say say he's a Pro Bowl type of receiver? What kind of production are you looking for in, in year t- number two? Um, well, I mean, I got to see at least uh, – I got to see at least 60-plus receptions. You know, I got to see a guy with, you know, 900 to, you know, 1,100 yards potentially and a guy that – you know, is going to be in that eight to nine touchdown region. I think that's probably what I'm going to be looking for to see if he can get into that kind of, uh, into that kind of accolade there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Now the tight ends um, are a very interesting group as well, because you got a combination of veteran experience, physical freakness and rookie Um, rookie Mm -hmm. guy that we think can extend the field in Kylan Granson. Now, out of any of these guys, do you think any of these guys have a, have a chance here to potentially be one of these Pro Bowl slash All Pro type of guys? 
I do not believe so. Um, with as small as the window is with elite tight end talent, you know, those same guys almost always are going to get in there. You know, I still look to see what Kylan Granson can do and see if he provides something that we haven't seen very often amongst a Colts tight end, something along the line of a guy like Travis Kelsey who can extend the field uh, like he does. But, you know, until that happens, I just, I don't, I don't see it for right now. We obviously know Jack Doyle's not getting anything there. Uh, God bless his soul on that one, but he's a, he's a hard worker. I don't think that those really matter to him. He does the dirty work anyway. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, I, I would love to see Mo Ali Cox do something there, but I, I just don't, I just don't see it happening with him either. This, this whole tight end group is so spread out. I just don't know if I could see it. Yeah. With, with you mentioned with just the, there's not as many tight ends that make the Pro Bowl compared to even wide receivers. And um, yeah, with the way the Colts like to spread it around, I mean, they had all three of their tight ends had like 30 receptions last year, just the way the Colts like to spread the ball around. Um, I could see that. And it's not like they they have a, a tight end that they drafted in you know rounds one or two like they did with wide receivers. So um, I think for that reason, yeah. Uh, the tight end room, I think it's a solid group, but I don't know if they have that guy at tight end. All right, let's move on to the offensive line, the bread and butter of this Indianapolis offense. I mean, this group has been one of the best in the league the last couple of years, and uh, now they replace Anthony Costanzo, who retired, obviously. And, you know, they sign Eric Fisher in the offseason, who former number one overall pick, I believe in 2013 it was. So they add to an already really good offensive line a guy that, that's been to the Pro Bowl before, that's, that's had some accolades before, it has been one of the top players at his position. But, Derek, he's coming off of an injury that is significant, right, with that Achilles injury he suffered um, in the playoffs. And so this is going to be a very interesting group, I think, to kind of see, especially at left tackle. We kind of have a good feeling about the other positions, but left tackle is a big question mark. But as far as Pro Bowl slash all pro players, I feel like there's a lot of guys that could potentially be candidates for those accolades, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? Well, I believe that Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly are going to uh, repeat as, you know, Pro Bowl favorites for this team. We've seen them go to the Pro Bowl together, both of them, you know, top five at their position each way. I mean, probably top three, uh, if you want to include Ryan Kelly in the top three, which I do. Um, and then I believe both, I believe both of them can be all pros at their position. Um, I am much less concerned about Quentin Nelson as I am Ryan Kelly. Ryan Kelly just started off so slow last year and had a few injuries that kind of hurt him that really hurt his performance early on in the year, but everybody knows big Q. Um, the one that is still irks me to this day. We've talked about it over this off season multiple times and I will continue to say it. Braden Smith is again the most underrated offensive lineman in the league, and he should be an All Pro this year if he puts up anything similar to what he did last year. Again, I remind everyone he was the only tackle in the NFL last year in the season of 2020 to not allow a sack after a certain minimum amount of snaps. The only one, and yet that person did not get an All Pro. That like I, I don't understand. I don't understand the criteria anymore for all pros. It, it made me 
it all, to be quite honest with you, it kind of gave me a sense of not trusting the all pro system anymore either. Like how does the one guy that didn't allow a sack all year, why is that guy not on the all pro list? Like he did the one thing that nobody else in the league did. Like in the all pro supposed to be the best of the best. Like Braden Smith was the best of the best last year. And if he's anything like that this year, should win it again. But, you know, he probably won't because, you know, he's uh, overshadowed by Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly to no fault of his own. Hmm. It's crazy, though, because you feel like realistically, if you look at this group, if they're all healthy and they're all playing up to their potential, you feel like the Colts could potentially, and again, we'll see obviously with with how the Colts get disrespected in the national media. I mean, the Colts potentially could have five of their or four of their five offensive linemen be Pro Bowl all pro, all pro type of players. They have that capability, which is absolutely crazy. And you know, you've talked about Martin Golinski. I mean, he's a good player too. So they, their offensive line is absolutely insane with how much talent they have and how good this group is. And I think just adding uh, another player like Eric Fisher just elevates this offensive line to another level. If indeed he can come back hundred percent from that Achilles injury, hopefully sooner rather than later into the season. So very good group there. All right, let's move on to the other side of the football. Let's move on to the defensive line for Indianapolis. Uh, the last two years has been, really been retooled by Chris Ballard and company. Trading for DeForest Buckner, 13th overall pick in 2020. They get him. He's a first-team All-Pro type of player. He's phenomenal. He leads the Colts with nine and a half sacks. And you got you pair him with Grover Stewart, who they just extended this last offseason, or this last season, I should say, midseason. And you have a really, really good pairing on that interior. Now, the biggest fault of this Colts defense, especially on the defensive line, was the edge group, right? Solid group, but nothing spectacular. You felt like you needed to improve somehow. You need to be able to get consistent pressure from the edge. When you rush four, you feel confident about it. What do the Colts do? They go out. They re-sign a few of their own. They draft Quiddy Pay in the first round, draft Dio Adangbo in the second round. And they really start retooling that defensive end group. But it's still a very young group on the edge, a lot of unproven talent right now. But what are your overall thoughts on this defensive line group as a whole? Yeah, I think that really the only name that really stands out here as a chance to be that all pro, pro bowl type of talent is DeForest Buckner. I mean, that's the fallback option here. Yeah. Um, what does Quiddy Pay do throughout the season? I'm not sure. You know, does Quiddy Pay, you know, become that new sack legend that we're looking at right off the bat. I don't know. I doubt it because, you know, I've been just like the rest of Colts Nation excited to uh, see this kid develop, but I've been a little bit more realistic in how I feel that he will approach this year. I just felt that his sack numbers were going to be too low for him to get any kind of severe recognition amongst the media. So DeForest Buckner right here for this defensive line group is the only one that I could see getting that Pro Bowl and All-Pro kind of recognition, even though he didn't get Pro Bowl last year for some weird reason. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. If Braden Smith is the most underrated offensive lineman, I think Grover Stewart is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the league. I mean, this mm -hmm. guy consistently is one of the best run stoppers in the league. He's consistently one of the better one techniques in the league, and he's got no recognition for it. It's absolutely insane. Some people yeah. still don't know who Grover Stewart is, despite the fact that he's one of the more disruptive one-techs in the league. 
And I feel like those two guys in particular, they play at all pro Pro Bowl levels, and they just don't get the recognition for it. So if somehow they start getting recognized, I think they have a really good shot as well. Now, I'm not going to hold my breath because of the national media, but they are the type of players that you think could potentially, if they were on, say, the Dallas Cowboys or one of those big teams, they would get more nationally recognized. They could be right there, Pro Bowl type of players. Absolutely. Yeah. All righty, let's move on to the linebackers now. Darius Leonard, we know he's been an all-pro. He's been a pro bowler. Um, he's been consistently one of the best linebackers in football. We just did, obviously, our look at the linebackers. Talked all about Darius Leonard, uh, how good he is, how much he means to this Colts defense. Um, and then you got Bobby Okariki, who is very much a wild card in this Colts linebacker room. You feel really good about him. You just don't know how good, how much he's going to ascend here in year number three. If You have a feeling it's going to be good. But you don't know, especially with Anthony Walker leaving in free agency, going to Cleveland. Now, Mike Linebacker is Okariki's for the taking. He has the opportunity to really take that and secure that Mike Linebacker for the near future. Now, he had a really, really good rookie season, a pretty good sophomore season. Not as good, I think, as people expected or hoped. Didn't make the leap like Akari Willis did potentially in year number two. But he's still a really good linebacker. And you feel like there's things that he's going to learn now, being now another offseason in this Colts defense, you feel like the sky's pointing up and the arrow's pointing up for a guy like Okariki to potentially sniff that Pro Bowl type of level. What are your thoughts on these linebackers? Yeah, I mean, for Darius Leonard, it's still, to the, to this day, I'm still salty about how in 2019 he was second team all pro and not first team, despite the fact that he missed three games. I don't, I still don't understand it. I mean, even after missing three games, was still one of the top 27 tacklers in the league. And not to mention, when you looked at his numbers and what he provided for them, I mean, ultimately, he he had nine, I think, I'm going to look at this. Yeah, he had five interceptions that year, two forced fumbles, and five sacks while missing three games. He had seven turnovers in 2019 and did not get selected to a to a first team all pro I get he missed three games but he was still a top 30 tackler in the league he led all linebackers in turnovers and scored a touchdown I just don't I just didn't understand I'm sure it probably had something to do with the fact that his team was not very good that year that might have had something to do with it but that's not how it should be it should be about performance and when you're a top 30 tackler in the league, even after missing three games, you had seven turnovers, forced turnovers. You had one touchdown. You had five sacks as a linebacker. Okay. You should be a first team all pro because there were still not more than five linebackers in the league that were better than Darius Leonard was in 2019, despite missing all those games. So that still makes me really salty that he didn't make it. But he did make it to the Pro Bowl that year, made it to the Pro Bowl this last year, and made the first-team All-Pro. I expect it to be the same thing here. I expect both of these. Um, to be quite honest with you, I think he might have the potential to lose that Pro Bowl spot, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I think that um, – th I mean, it was taken away from him in 2018. I still don't know to this day how – you could lead the league in tackles and still not get selected to the Pro Bowl, but that's beyond me. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I would much rather him lose his Pro Bowl selection than lose a first team All Pro. That's what I care more about for Darius Leonard than, you know, the stupid Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as Bobby Okariki goes, what are your thoughts on him as well? I mean, I definitely look for him to improve this year. I think he's, again, going to get more snaps, and that's good for him. You know, he's going to hope to have a resurgence this year. Um, Don't expect him to get a Pro Bowl of any kind. Um, Could see him getting a second-team All-Pro kind of uh, listing here. I don't see him as first-team, at least not yet. I think he still has a little bit more uh, to learn, but – you know, has that potential in the future, but right now I think he just has a little bit more to go. Yeah, um, but I think you want gradual improvement from him, which I think we're pretty confident we're going to see here in year number three. But if he can get near that level, I mean, that that's a big win for the Colts linebackers moving forward. All right, let's move now to the secondary. Let's start with the corners. Let's talk about Xavier Rhodes, one of the best corners in football last year was phenomenal in his resurgence coming to Indianapolis after spending years and years in Minnesota and struggling mightily the last couple of years in Minnesota. Um, he comes in for on a one-year deal, has a really good season, gets re-signed by Indianapolis this past offseason. And then you got guys like Rocky Sin, who's still up and down, up in the air. Um, you have guys like Kenny Moore, who we can firmly say is the best slot corner in football, in our opinion. And, and then you got a lot of other guys like Marvell Tell, Isaiah Rogers, who kind of are in the back end of that roster there and potentially competing for that number two corner spot alongside of Rocky Sin. But as far as the guys that we know, Derek, we'll, we'll primarily stick with Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore. Do you think these two guys have a chance to be Pro Bowl All Pro players in 2021? Um, you know, it, it's quite shocking, you know, to look at this secondary and to see. You know, the amount of disrespect that they still get, even after, you know, a couple of really good players are doing what they do. I mean, Xavier Rhodes, I really thought should have gotten some kind of accolade last year. You know, I thought he was a top 10 corner in the league last year, outside corner in the league. I mean, even for his own corner and for, you know, all the doubts that people had against him. You know, I I think it's just when he started the year out, You know, he had those two interceptions and it looked like he was going to ride high, but, you know, just failed to get any interceptions afterwards. And that's kind of what hurt him. I hope that he, you know, will improve on that even more. But, you know, again, the level of disrespect that Kenny Moore continues to get from just everybody. I mean, it's really incredible just that this guy is the best slot corner in in all of football, you know, he's only, he's about to be 26 last year, played in all 16 games, had four interceptions, more than any slot corner in the league, had a touchdown on top of that and had 13 pass deflections, 13. That's a, that's a career. high. had a forced fumble, had two sacks, had 80 combined tackles. You know, I, I just, I'm just finding it hard to believe that, you know, a slot corner that's putting up the, the numbers that he does just continues to not get any recognition. And, you know, we remember his um, his 2018 year, you know, where he was uh, playing really well, you know, had three interceptions that year as well, and a forced fumble, had one and a half sacks. We all remember the, uh, we all remember the sack 
that he put on Deshaun Watson that year that helped us win that game, had 77 combined tackles. You know, it's just, I just still to this day don't understand. And there's people that still don't even know Kenny Moore's on our roster. I mean, this offseason, we saw a, a guy on CBS break down the Colts secondary group and failed to even mention Kenny Moore. Didn't even know he was on the roster. Like, what is that? You know, so it, it really upsets me. I hope that Kenny Moore continues to do what he does this year. And I hope he gets the recognition because if he does, he finally could get that first team all pro or a pro bowl selection. I think he definitely could get one. Um, as far as the rest of these ki kids go, uh, you know, Julian Blackman to me has um, the potential for a pro bowl selection. When you look at, you know, just the big playability of this guy. I think that's what it is. You know, I, I think that's what he has over Kari Willis. You know, Kari Willis is more of the uh, down and dirty kind of uh, safety, which is exactly what you want in a strong safety. You know, doesn't make quite as many dramatic plays as Julian Blackman that everyone sees and just doesn't understand and appreciate it. So I don't anticipate Kari Willis getting anything, unfortunately. You know, despite last year was a really, really good year for him. And Julian Blackman, I could see maybe getting a Pro Bowl selection because of popularity-wise. But outside of that, I don't see much more out of this secondary group right now. Yeah, Julian Blackman was a revelation, man, last year. Coming in, being drafted in the third round. Some people thought he might not even play much in 2020. He comes in, doesn't miss a beat, man. He's playing not even fully 100% and doing those kind of things. So you have to wonder, now that he's 100%, now that he's got his legs back to where they want, you know, he, he talked about at the end of the year how his legs were giving out near the end of that season. You have to wonder, if he was doing that injured, how much better is he going to be now fully healthy? And I think that that's a big question that I have is like, we've only scratched the surface, I think, on what and, Julian Blackman can do, man. And a full off season to actually be yes. able to be in the building. So yes. Yes, that's that's a factor that a lot of people don't really consider as much as I think they should. Like these rookies, how great they were last year. We're talking about, you know, the the Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Julian Blackman, just to name a few. They had virtually no off-season work and they did what they did last year. And that's incredible. Yeah. That's why I feel like all three of those guys have potential to be Pro Bowl all pro kind of players cuz they were doing that as rookies with virtually no experience in the NFL. So, yeah, having a full offseason, man, I think Julian Blackman can even elevate his game even more. And he'll be more consistent, I think, with not having to you know, have the recovery time that he had, not having to play not 100%. Now that he is, I mean, it's going to be exciting to see what he can potentially bring. I think he has all pro potential here. I really do. I think he has that. Uh, just that it factor. He has that knack for making a big play when needed. And that's exactly what this Indianapolis defense is predicated on. It kind of reminded me in certain ways, Derek, obviously it was a little bit different, but how Darius Leonard, his rookie season was just, and he, it continues to be just a guy that forces those key turnovers when needed. That's exactly what Julian Blackman does. And it's exciting to see what he's going to do in year number two, along with Corey Willis, um, who I think is one of the most underrated strong safeties in the league also. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in this group as well. And a lot of people point to this group and say, I'm really concerned about the secondary. And I'm like, outside of number two corner, I think the Colts are pretty good. 
with their secondary right now. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to the last group here, the specialists, right? Uh, we'll talk about Rodrigo and Rigoberto. Both these guys uh, very good last year for, for their respective positions. I would say Hot Rod out of any of them struggled a little bit down the stretch, especially from longer distances. But, you know, he seems like he's putting in the work, wants to get better, wants to improve. And from all what we've heard in, in minicamp and stuff like that, he was nailing 50-plus yarders. So seems like a guy that's – that's he had a really – I mean, he broke – I think he broke the scoring record for the Colts or something like that in his, in his rookie year. So mm -hmm. a lot of people like to trash on him. But I'm like, look, he just broke a record as a rookie, undrafted yeah. rookie. And I think he's only going to get better. He's going to have to compete, obviously, for a spot with Eddie Pinheiro. But – I don't foresee that being an issue. And then obviously Rigoberto now coming off, you know, had that obviously had that cancerous tumor and came back and was still an absolute monster and a punter. So I think from a specialist standpoint with those two guys, then you have some of your returners and Naheem Hines, Isaiah Rogers. Um, do you see any of these guys potentially being pro bowl, all pro players? Um. Well, I don't anticipate any of these guys being pro bowlers when it comes to these stats, unfortunately. Um, when we're talking about all pros, you know, George Odom was an all pro last year with the specialist and, you know, the amount of tackles he made and the big plays that he made on special teams. I'll throw out another name that I think could potentially sneak his way in in the same regard as what George Odom did uh, the previous year. And that's Jordan Glasgow. I think Glasgow has that potential on the special teams to be a guy who can get that kind of recognition because I really like his fire. I like the way he plays special teams. I really like what I see in him. Uh, in regards to Blankenship and Sanchez, uh, you know, Blankenship, love the guy. think that he's going to be uh, – I think he's going to take a step forward on uh, this year being more accurate, being more consistent down the stretch. Um, but other than that, I don't think he's really going to be an all pro at anything for that matter. Uh, Sanchez, I'm quite surprised as a, as a punter himself that he's not been an all pro at any point when it comes to being a punter. I mean, you know, he's been ever since Pat McAfee left. I mean, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I think Sanchez has been one of the best punters in the league. You know, one of the most accurate punter in the league. I mean, this last year, his yards uh, per punt was the highest that we've seen in his career. And, you know, we remember the two games that he missed because what was that, that tumor that he had to get taken out of him mm -hmm. and still yep. played two weeks later. I mean, that's, that's quite incredible. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, other than that, I really don't see much else from this group. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that the beauty with this group is, I think they all have the potential to be. I'm not going to say they are because there's a lot of good kickers and punters in there, a lot of good specialists in there. It seems like out of all the positions, now not everybody, but it seems like there's a lot of guys that are really locked in and have refined their craft and are really, really good at their position. So for us to say, I don't know if they're going to make a Pro Bowl or All-Pro, it's not a slant against them. It's just how good some specialists can be. Those top specialists, man, they are incredible at their job. So um, mm -hmm. I think for that reason, yeah, I agree with you there. But all right, well, that'll do it, I think, for our look here at all the position groups, talking about, all right, which guys do we think potentially could be Pro Bowl All-Pro players? Let us know what you guys think. Do you agree with us? Are there players that we miss that you think potentially half Pro Bowl All-Pro level? Are there players we mentioned you're like, I don't know if they're going to be that? Let us know in the comments below. For Derek and myself, that'll do it for this one, guys. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, go Colts. Yeah.